You're listening to the CIT Podcast. If you'd like to know more about CIT or like to donate to this ministry, you can find us online at churchintoronto.com, Instagram, or Facebook. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we'd love to see you at church this Sunday. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Jesus, we're here this morning seeking you. We know there's no other answer. There's a beautiful name, there's a powerful name that is available to us, and we pray where we are, you're coming to us. You're meeting us right where where we're at, and you want to help us out of that place. We pray there would be a response in each one of our hearts this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen? Man, well, welcome. Uh, my name is Ian. For those of you who are new, so glad you're here with us this morning. We are um, walking through the book of John. Our overall theme is the word believe. This word comes up again and again. We're going to really focus on that this morning. Before I um, get into the verses and start unpacking things, I'm just going to ask our reader to come up for him to introduce himself and to read the verses for us. That's your cue. There you go. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, So for those who may not know me, uh, my name is Derek, and I am fairly new to CIT. Uh, I think it's been about two months. And uh, honestly, it feels like home already, though, for me. So I'm loving it so far. Um, Just to give a little bit of an intro to myself. Um, So I've been attending church since uh, 2011. Um, it's like a bigger, you know, Chinese church community. And I didn't officially declare my faith until like around 2018. And um, that's where I kind of, you know, knew that I wanted to be a committed follower of Christ. Wow. And, um, you know, it's, it hasn't been easy though, even after being baptized, I think that, you know, there were some challenges that came along and yeah. uh, especially with COVID coming along. And, you know, I, I felt like I was very like distant for my faith, and so I felt that, you know, God has called me to, you know, come back to him, to find a new church, new church community, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with my old church, but I felt like there was a need of a refresh, and I feel like, you know, with the sort of a size of a community, I think I feel like more comfortable this way, and I think that, you know, this is kind of like a new home for me. Amen. Good. All right. And so, and so right now, I'm, uh, you know, I'm participating in Pastor Ian's small group right now, and I'm loving the Bible studies. It's really, like, engaging. It's, like, a very different style. When, you know, it's not your traditional way of, you know, just, like, black and white text. It's more, like, really, like, different, very creative and very challenging to kind of stimulate our minds, and so I really love that aspect as well. And so right now, I'm just looking to be, like, more integrated into the community, you know, just to, you know, meet new people, to fellowship, and just to find new ways to serve God. And so, speaking of serving, you know, today I'll be delivering the, today's reading of the scripture. It's based on uh, John, uh, chapter 5, verse 17 to 30. Okay, bear with me here. It's a bit of a longer passage, but... Okay, Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father making himself equal to God. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise 
does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom he wants. The Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all people may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him, who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he has granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. All right, thank you. Thank you, Derek. Good to have him with us. Um, so the title of the message this week is Jesus Does the Father's Work. Last week, um, Dell was helping us. There we go. We have, look at that. <laughs> we have screens back again. Uh, Jesus Does the Father's Work. Um, last week, Dell was sharing with us about this particular uh, incident that happened in John chapter 5, beginning of those, uh, this section, uh, where you have an invalid who's been in his condition for about 38 years, and he's, he, along with a whole bunch of others, are gathered around this pool, and Jesus sees what is happening with this man, and he sees that he's been in this condition for some time, and he walks up to him and he says, would you like to get well? What would your response be if you'd been 38 years in a condition? Would you like to get well? Yes. yes. <laughs> right? If you're like, yes, whatever I've got to do, I want to get well. I don't want to sit here for the rest of my life. What's striking about this is that the man starts coming up with all kinds of excuses. Jesus is opening a door, and the man is shutting the door. And I wonder how many times we kind of do that. God is opening up something for us, and we say, no, 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 not that way. That's not, what, that's not what I expected. Anyway, what's, uh, what, what's striking here is that there's no evidence, and Dell brought this out last week, that the man had faith. He didn't go to Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, I know you're the son of God and you can do this. None, nothing like that at all. So Jesus heals him and he walks away. And again, another striking point is, and Dell pointed this out last week, there's no evidence of faith afterwards either. So what is this story helping us to see? God's generosity. God is not just looking for one kind of person who's seeking after him, and then he's going to put all kinds of blessings and goodness upon that person. No, God is generous to all. God sends the rain. God sends the sun on all whether you call them the wicked or the good or whatever, you, all people receive the benefit from God. This is God's generosity. He gives life to all. He loves all. He cares for all. But 
as we saw in the, in the story last week, God's generosity upset some people. Those are the religious leaders. Because those religious leaders wanted to make sure that everything was done in a very particular way. And that's what we're really going to focus on this morning. So we, we started out with a miracle story. A story of an incredible miracle that happened. And, and, and quickly, we shift over to a conflict story. Now we've got conflict. Where there was no conflict before, where there was, you know, this man's life was turned around, now there is conflict. And how do we know that if we go to verses 9 and 10? Look at this. So, and at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. And here's the critical thing. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews, that's the Jewish religious leaders, said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. It's almost like they're saying, it's the Sabbath, sit down. You're not allowed to be healed on this day. This is the Sabbath. It's not allowed. So, And it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. So you can start to see the spotlight has shifted from a miracle that has happened by the generosity of God to a kind of a legalistic thing where you've got people saying, no, now we've got conflict. Now we have real conflict. Why? Because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. And if you know the Jews, you know that they fiercely guard the Sabbath. Think about it. Genesis chapter 2, you have God has finished his creation, and as he finishes his creation, he rests on the seventh day. That's in Genesis 2. In Exodus chapter 20, when God is giving the Ten Commandments, he commands his people, among many things, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And the, the whole idea with Sabbath is, don't do any work. Rest. And it's a wonderful principle. Honestly, it is a, an absolutely wonderful principle. And so the Jews took this seriously, and so they should have taken it seriously. Because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, verse 16, we don't have it in these uh, verses on the screen, verse 16 says, those, those Jewish religious leaders started to persecute Jesus. Because he had, done, he had done this thing. And, and so here's the interesting thing. So even though the Jews held so tightly to this idea of Sabbath and resting, and even God doesn't work, God even rested on the seventh day. Think about this. Did God, does God, shut down once a week? Can I hear? No. Like, like, think, like think about it. Does God shut down once a week? No. God continues to be God every single day. Just like he was one day, he's giving life one day, he's giving life every day, and some of those days are going to be the Sabbath, the day of rest. So he continues to give life because you have birth. And he continues to judge because you continue to have death. And God is God. So God, in one, on the one hand, does he rest? Yes. 
but he's still working. He's still working. So he's upholding all things. Ken Costa had an inter- has an interesting point I think it's worthwhile making. Because, you know, again, we might be thinking, yeah, God, God doesn't work all the time. But look at this. God's work did not stop with the work of creation. All through the Bible, God is seen as a worker. He's described as a gardener, an artist, a potter, a shepherd, a king, a homemaker, and a builder. God is just working. He's not just sitting in, you know, like sometimes we have this, this notion that God wound up the whole thing like a toy, just wound it up and said, okay, just go. And now he's sitting back in a lazy boy. That's just not the way it works. God is still working. And he's definitely working on the Sabbath just like he is other days. Jesus responds in a way to try to help these men who are stuck in their understanding. He's trying to give them a way out to see who he really is. And he says these shocking words. In verse 17, he says, My father is still working, and I am still working. Well, if you thought that breaking the Sabbath was, was uh, started a fire, the fact that Jesus calls God my father... And just like he's working, I'm working, well, that poured gasoline on the fire. Because to the Jewish religious leaders, they said, wait, you do not get to call God your father. Is he, the, yeah, is he father? Yes, he's the father of us all. But for you to say my father, he, he could have said our father is still working, but he didn't. He said my Father is still working. And not only is he working, I'm working along with him. Now we have blasphemy. Blasphemy is trying to make yourself just like God. And that's exactly what verse 18 says. He's he's trying to make himself equal with God. It's called blasphemy. And Jesus continues God's work. Because his his healing gave life as only God can give life. Think about it. God gave life to this man. Who can give life to people? Only God. So Jesus is saying, this miracle that you saw, this is God giving life to that man. And they're okay with that, but the fact is, they're looking at Jesus and saying, but wait, you're not God. Or is he? Let's see. So Jesus continues that working. Look what Leon Morris had to say about this. Jesus called God his own father. Jesus was not teaching that God is the father of all. The Jews would have accepted that. His claim meant that God was his father in a special way. He was claiming that he partook of the same nature of his father. He's not just doing something that God is asking him to do. He is partaking, he is of the same nature as the Father. So who is this Jesus who's going around doing all of these things? He is God's son. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you again. I may have lost you already. 
So who is this Jesus? This is really important to us. Because if what Jesus is saying is correct, it can change your whole life. So who is this Jesus? He is the Son of God. The Son, God gives life, and so does the Son. He's doing exactly the same things that the Father is doing. So God, Jesus called God my Father. Again, in the eyes of the Jewish leaders, Jesus is a mere man trying to elevate himself to the level of God. And so verse 18 tells us, now they're not just persecuting him, they want to kill him. That's how much what he said was so offensive to them. They've moved from persecuting to kill. Well, that escalated really fast. But Jesus said something which is absolutely true, but to them it was just too much for them to be able to take. So their issue wasn't whether God works on the Sabbath. They know God works on the Sabbath. But that Jesus said that he did what the Father did. That's the issue. That's the real issue that's going on here. And so for them, he is guilty of blasphemy. And so why wouldn't they want to kill him? Because that's what they were supposed to do. So what's interesting in the verses that Derek read for us today is that what you begin to see is Jesus, his defense. Okay, you want to kill me, let me present my case to you. And this is exactly what he does. We don't have the time to go into all the details of these kinds of things. And as you were listening to Derek, you were probably thinking, wow, there's a lot of repetition in these verses. Keeps using the same words over and over again. That's pretty typical for the way that John, John writes. But I, I just want to try to give you an, a high-level view of what's going on here. Craig Costa has a couple of words for us I think will be helpful. The Jewish authorities accuse Jesus of claiming to be God. He answers them by showing that just as the Father does certain things as God, He does them too. So here's the evidence. This is what God does, and we would all say, yes, that is exactly what God does. And oh, by the way, this is what Jesus is doing. Exactly the same. You're just matching the two. It just, they're mapping onto one another. But again... Jesus is not condemning these religious men. He is actually trying to help them. His motivation from the whole, for the whole time is, how can I help these men to be saved? And I hope that helps to bring the temperature down a little bit. It's not us against them. Jesus is desperately trying to help these men who are stuck in their condition possibly for 38 years, <laughs> who are maybe around a pool. Who knows? Wow, the parallels in the Bible are incredible. Anyway, they're stuck in their condition. And God, as generous as he was to the man who had no faith and no belief, he's going to these men and he's going to tell them how to, what's, what's the door open for you. So Jesus' defense rests on basically on one thing. His relationship with God, or his relationship with his Father. Again, Leon Morris has this to say. He begins his defense with a very strong affirmation of community of action with the Father. So he's basically saying, whatever the Father is doing, that's what I'm doing. 
It is not simply that he does not act in independence of the Father. He cannot act in independence of the Father. So Jesus is so, uh, is so united, so, um, in, the, the relationship with the Father is so intimate that he cannot, he would not do anything independent from him. He can only do the things he sees the Father doing. The result of this is that it is the things the Father does that the Son does too. And I love this, not in the way of imitation, but in virtue of his sameness, in the sameness of nature. Again, the same substance, exactly the same. The Father and the Son, they share something. And so they do the very same things. Jesus did for the invalid what was impossible apart from God. Let me try to explain it to you in a simpler way. Um, how many of you are familiar with this instrument? It looks like a really, really big guitar. And it has a lot of the same functions. This is called a sitar, if I may not be pronouncing it correctly. Um, but the idea is very similar to a guitar. You've got a body, you've got a neck, you've got strings, all of those kinds of things. Okay, but what's really fascinating about this particular instrument, um, this, so a sitar can have anywhere from, I think, 18 to 21 strings. Um, you'll notice if you're looking carefully, there are layers of strings. So the one that he's bending towards the bottom, if, you, if you're just kind of looking at the top layer, you can start to see, okay, there's about f maybe three, four, five strings like that. But then if you look closer, you realize, okay, there are some other ones that are beneath. Let me show you a closer picture of it. So this is what's happening. You have an instrument where you have main strings that are being plucked or played, and you have these other strings that are underneath. And what's so fascinating about this instrument is the strings underneath are not touched. But because the strings above are being plucked, played, it resonates with the, with the uh, strings below, and they begin to vibrate together. You see what's going on here? The father is like the main string. I sorry, I know all illustrations always break down at some point, but just stay with me like that for a little bit here. The father is 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 like the one who's plucking. He he's the one who it's it's his will. It's and Jesus is saying, "I can only do what the father is doing." So the the the, the father is plucking invalid by the pool, plucking and so what is Jesus doing? He's resonating with that. He's responding because he's of the same heart. He's of the same mind. He's of the same substance that God is. And so why would he go and heal the man at the pool? Because that's what the Father is doing. Why is he doing it on the Sabbath? Because that's what the Father is doing. It's not that he's going there to try to bend the rules or, you know, that kind of thing. No, he's doing it because the father is, is plucking or playing those strings. And he is, is there as an obedient servant and he's just going. Where is the father going? That is where I'm going. What is the father doing? That is what I'm doing. 
I hope this is helpful for you to see what's really going on in this particular set of verses. So he's working together with God. The things that um, Jesus is doing, you should be able to look at those things and say, and this is going to be part of his argument, if you see me doing them, you should know that who else is doing them? The Father. That's going to be his argument. So if you see me doing something, and I know you look at me just as a mere man, but if you see me doing something, you got to know God is doing the very same thing. It's God who wants that man to be healed. It's God's generosity that is being shown. And so this is exactly what you see. I want to show you a couple of verses. Look at these verses. Just as the Father gives life, so the Son also gives life. Does that make sense? Well, of course it makes sense because think about the, think, think about the sitar again. The, you've got life in the upper strings. You've got life in the lower strings. And look at this. The Father gives all judgment to the Son. Well, that implies that the Father already has all the judgment. The Father is able to judge. And the Son is able to judge. So just like the Father gives life, so the Son gives life. Just as the Father is able to judge, so now the Son is able to judge. And then what's, again, the verses that Derek read, Jesus comes back to it again. 21 and 22, he hits the point. Then 26 and 27, just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he, that is the Father, granted him, that is the Son, the right to pass judgment. So you've got this very, very interesting situation. But what's so fascinating and what caught my eye this week is what's in between these two verses. Because we already know what 21 and 22 say. We, want, we, already, we now know what 26 and 27, because they, they're kind of like you know, the top and the bottom of a bun, if you want to think about it that way. They're like a sandwich. But the heart of Jesus is going to come out in verses 24 and 25. And look at this. I've separated them out. Anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment. The dead, and I've put into brackets, the spiritually dead, will hear the voice of the Son and live. This tells you why we've named this, this book, this, our, our, our series, Believe. It's not just about understanding who God is. When you see who Jesus is, you're like, okay, he really is God. He's, we have God the Father and we have God the Son. It's not just understanding that. It's the Father is able to give life and the Son is able to give a life. And so now he's bringing it down to you and I. He's bringing it down to those men who were arguing with him. And he's saying, if you hear my word and you believe, you will have eternal life. And you can trust that he is able to give you eternal life because the Father has given it to him to give to you. So the, the son, the son's work is the father's work. Uh, Leon Morris has a great quote, I think, to help us with this. It is only because his relationship to the Father is what he said it was, only because he is what he claimed to be, that he is able to bring new birth. 
You know, if he's lying, then he's not able to bring new birth. But if what Jesus is saying about himself and his relationship to the Father is really true, it's that relationship that assures you that when you receive Jesus into your life, you know his promise is true. You will have new birth, new life, new beginning, eternal life. That's the critical thing that's going on here. And, and that's what he's trying to help these religious leaders who are stuck in their condition to understand. Let me show you another quote from uh, Craig Coster, I think it would be helpful. Human beings are created with the need for life. I think we would all agree with that. We're always seeking new things, what, uh, the, the things of this life. This inherent need for life makes the matter of God inescapable. You can't escape God because God is the one who gives life. God is the one who brings life. God is the one who gives all the life we, we, we need. And look at this. The issue is not whether people will seek life, but where their pursuit of life will take them. We're all seeking something. We're all seeking life. We seek it in this way and that way. But the question is, where will that pursuit take you? To some of us, we work crazy amounts of hours so that our bank account will grow. But our family is sacrificed because we're just never home. We're chasing life. We're pursuing life. But you have to ask yourself, where is that pursuit leading me? That's not the life God wants for you or your family. My question to all of us this morning is, would you allow Jesus to turn your life around? Hear his voice and believe. Some of us, especially possibly our younger generation, uh, are presenting an idealized online image that's really not who you are. And you're getting, and you know, this whole thing is fake. We airbrush our photos, all our blemishes are gone. We present ourselves online as a certain thing. And we know when we wake up in the morning, there are some blotches. Yeah. Some of us are trapped in that kind of a world. That's not the life that God wants for you. And again, I would ask all of us, would you allow Jesus to help you out of that? Hear his voice this morning and believe. And I'm talking to all of us now. I'm not just talking to people who don't have a relationship with God. I'm talking to everyone who's been following God. I don't care how long you've been doing it. It would be very similar to if Jesus was standing here this morning and we were all around the pool and he came to you and he would ask you, do you want to get well? Do, do you want to get well? And then what are your excuses? But, you know, 
I've got this and I've got to think about that and what will other people think? Do you want to get well? Regardless of what you think, no matter what your thoughts are, uh, your thoughts are this morning, no matter what it is you've been chasing after, do you want to get well? Hear his voice this morning to you. Forget about the man at the pool for a moment. Do you want to get well? So I want you to know that as you're hearing these words, you're hearing God's voice this morning. And you can respond. You can respond. It's not too late, because we often tell ourselves that. It's, it's not that you've gone too far, because we often condemn ourselves with that. Respond and you will have eternal life. You will have new birth. You will have a new start. Jesus can give you that. Just respond to him. You can simply say things like this or something like this. Jesus, come into my life. Or Jesus, I'm a mess. And I've gone down the wrong path and I need you to rescue me out of those things. And I'm hearing your voice this morning loudly. I want to respond to you. I want to finish off with this. What should you do when you hear Jesus' voice? Let me just, let me just first of all point out where, where we often hear the voice of Jesus. Oftentimes it's in places like this. Or it could be in your community group, or it could be as you're reading the Bible by yourself. Uh, it could be also uh, in, in a time uh, of singing, as we're worshiping God through song. It could be that all of a sudden you're hearing God's voice and he's, he's speaking to you and asking you, he's making an impression upon your heart to do this, or possibly to stop doing this or that. I'm going to call our musicians up because we will sing uh, a song in response. But again, believe and receive eternal life. You know, the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. There's no distinctions here. It's not like, okay, I have to be a certain thing. No, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, call out to God and believe me, he will keep his promise and he will help you out of your situation. Let's, go, let's think about going back to that sitar again because we should be listening for God's voice within us as he's plucking the strings and we're hearing it. Is there a resonance? Is there a response within each one of us? Now, if we, uh, you know, I, I'm just thinking about some of the things that I've gone through. Um, one, one was when it was time for me to be baptized very interesting. I wasn't looking to be baptized. I didn't know I needed to be baptized. But I kept reading the Bible and I kept bumping into these verses that kept telling me, oh, these people kept getting baptized. Getting baptized. And so I started to ask other people, tell me about baptism. And after a little while, something started to resonate with me. And I realized, okay, the appropriate response here is God is asking me to be baptized. So just as he's asking, I'm obeying. And so I did.
That was many, many years ago. Uh, another, ex another experience I've had recently, it's interesting. Um, you know how we get in ruts? Well, it's okay. Here's, here's a rut that I was in probably, probably for a couple of good months. Um, or I should say a good couple of months. It wasn't necessarily good months. Um, each morning, I sit down in my favorite chair and I eat my oatmeal. Anybody? No oatmeal eaters? No, Nigel, <laughs> thank you. Well, I didn't realize we were oatmeal buddies. <laughs> there you go. Um, and I would, uh, I would have the radio on, talk radio, love to listen to things. My mind always likes to take in new things. But I had to realize after a little while, was that, the, was that helpful? Because inwardly, I was just getting riled up. My wife is nodding. She's like... <laughs> You know, you hear this issue, and the issues only last for 15 minutes. And then they change the topic, and then you're riled up about that one. At the end, you've listened for about an hour, and you just walk away. You're a mess. You think, okay. I, anyway, so, yeah, just this uh, past couple of weeks, God has been saying, okay, that's enough. I don't think you need to do that. This is just for me personally. And so now I've changed the channel so to speak, listening to other things which bring life and peace and joy. Would you respond this morning? God is strumming. He's looking for responses from each one of us. As you see who Jesus is this morning, he really and truly is the Son of God. No matter how long you have known him, respond to him and experience that renewed life he wants to give you each and every day. Let's respond in song. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CIT podcast. Our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at churchintoronto.com. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services this weekend. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God loves you.